Welcome to episode two of the Foundations of Sports podcast, where we present positive sports stories and the people who make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Chris Horgan. We're very excited to have Ross Bernstein, author, speaker, and president of the Herb Brooks Foundation. Ross is the best-selling author of nearly 50 sports books. He keynotes conferences all around the globe, and he developed the Champions Code, building relationships through life lessons of integrity and accountability from the sports world to the business world. He speaks about the importance of passion and winning the right way. He provides his detailed insight to the DNA of championship teams. And in today's interview, he offers us great positive behind-the-scenes stories from Harmon Killebrew to Kirby Puckett to what was Jack Morris thinking when he walked out to the mound for the final inning of the World Series. He talks about Wayne Gretzky and how Wayne wasn't just a goal scorer, but he did all the little things to help his team win. And he was the ultimate teammate. Ross speaks about his lemons into lemonade story at the University of Minnesota and how that set the foundation for the rest of his career. He is also president of the Herb Brooks Foundation. Make hockey fun for kids and let them love the game the way we did is a quote from Coach Brooks on the foundation's website. Their mission is to keep his legacy alive through getting all kids to play the game of hockey. Ross talks about the various programs that have a very positive impact on the community. They get kids outside, having fun, and learning life lessons through sports, and specifically through the game of hockey. So whether you're on a plane, in a car, sitting in traffic, at home, or on the go, enjoy this episode with Ross Bernstein. We are very excited to have Ross Bernstein on Foundations of Sports today. Ross, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Your work has such a very positive impact on others. Tell us about the journey that led to you being an author and a speaker. Well, it's a, uh, it's a very weird world. Uh, there's not a lot of people that do it full time, but uh, definitely something I'm really passionate about. I've... Uh, I've been able to uh, um, carve out a really weird space being a sports author. I've written almost 50 sports books, and uh, I, as a full-time speaker, I, I keynote about 120 conferences per year. So um, it's I'm kind of in perpetual motion, a lot of travel, sure. and but uh, I get to work in a field that I love. I'm, I'm like you, I'm passionate about sports, and uh, so I'm just very lucky that I kind of have, have uh, kind of aw shucks dumb luck to my way into a career that I'm, that I really enjoy. So it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I think you stress something there where you're having fun and you're doing something you love. Tell us about, I know you speak and in your writing, you stress having passion in what you do, whether it's sports or any uh, career that you are doing. Tell us a little bit about the impact of passion and the importance of that in everyday life. Mm, great question. Yeah, well, you know, I've been a working member of the media for the past 20 years uh, here in Minnesota where I live with the, the Vikings and the Wolves and the Wild and, and Twins and Gophers. So I, I've, I've been around a lot of, of collegiate and professional athletes. And, you know, that's the number one thing. That's the number one most common trait among people at that level is, is passion. I mean, these, these people live a pretty boring life. They're, they're, they're consumed with, with what they do. They, they love it. They live it. And, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, for me, it's like, you know, being around the fountain of youth when you get to hang out with a lot of these people, cause they are so passionate about what they do. And 
from the practicing and the, you know, they only get to play, you know, 1% of the time. It's, it's, it's all preparation and practice that, that leads to the stuff that they really love getting to play the game on Sunday morning. So for me, it's just, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's an elixir being able to hang out with these people. And, and, um, you know, I try and share a lot of those stories as a speaker about, you know, how that passion and purpose comes together and ultimately make success, whether you're in sports or in business or just in life. So, um, you know, I try and focus on the really fun parts of, of my job. I mean, like, like, like all of us, sure. uh, we got to grind and do what we got to do, but you kind of live for those Sunday mornings and you get to play the game, whatever that looks like and whatever your world is. But certainly, you know, if you're not passionate and about what you do, then you're not going to be very good at it. And you're not going to last very long at it. You're just sort of pushing the rock up the hill. So I love learning about what makes people tick and what drives them and what they're really passionate about and how that leads to, to overall success. It's pretty fascinating stuff. It is. And another thing that really comes through in your writing and your books is the journey and you're a bit, you know, you write about all types of sports, but especially in hockey, where it starts in the preseason in September, and your quest to raising Stanley goes all the way through June. The journey's so important, and we talk about that on Foundations of Sports to have fun and to enjoy it. But something that you put forward um, is something called the Champions Code. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of that and how, not only just in hockey, but in sports, how having that type of uh, foundation can help you succeed? Well, I think that, um, you know, just working hard and like you said, having that foundation, my, my program, the champions code, um, it's building relationships through life lessons of integrity and accountability from the sports world to the business world. Um, it's really about winning with integrity. Um, I, I wrote this series of books about, the fine line between cheating and gamesmanship in sports. Um, you know, athletes will always try and find shortcuts, little sneaky, nefarious things, whether it's spy gate or the flake gate sure. or, <laughs> or, or, uh, sign stealing in baseball or, or anabolic steroids, uh, diving in soccer, the flop in basketball, <laughs> and on and on and on. And it's sort of like, you know, there's always that fine line between cheating and gamesmanship in sports and in, and in business. So I kind of, combine the two, I guess, to, to, in my program to try and really challenge people to win, win the right way. And that's what, that's kind of what being a champion is all about. And you see that, you know, the teams, the people it, it's in their DNA. If they, if they consistently want to do it the right way, because every day we turn on the news and we hear about people who have, who have failed, who have, you know, taken a shortcut, they've, they've done something, they've kind of crossed that fine line between cheating and gamesmanship and life. And, you know, so my program, I try and celebrate the people that do it the right way. And, and that's the key, winning the right way. And there's something very satisfying about that from day one when you start from the practice to the end. It's doing the right thing and winning the right way. And, and there's something to be said for that, especially in sports and in the world in general today. Um, it's really, really important. Now, with the Champions Code, and, and you should know, my fiance and I have a phrase we tell each other every day, have a champion day. That's something we tell each other all the time. So it, what you write about uh, with this Champions Code certainly resonates. Now, you talk about athletes. Now, I'll give you a hypothetical situation. I know you're a Minnesota sports fan. You're going to a Twins game. You have three extra tickets. Which three athletes would you choose to come to the game with you to discuss uh, their impact of the Champions Code on their career? <laughs> That's a great question. My Mount Rushmore. Who do I want yes, with me? Yes, exactly. 
I, well, I'm definitely going to have Kirby Puckett because he's my guy. And uh, I was there at game six, 91 World Series. And I, I love Kirby. And I talk about Kirby in, in, in my speech and, you know, growing up in the south side of Chicago in the Robert Taylor homes and just basically having to outwork everybody. You know, it took him six years grinding it out the minor leagues to become an overnight sensation. And I talk about Kirby's smile. I talk about how he... You know, he just made a difference. Kirby was a gym rat. They couldn't get rid of him. He was there in his days off hanging out with the beer guys and the parking guys. He never thought he was better than anyone else. He just loved his job and was so grateful to be out there and really had a chip on his shoulder. And, and uh, two of my greatest memories, as a freshman in college in 87, as a senior in 91, I got two World Series. It's awesome. And uh, precious because my, my Vikings certainly aren't winning me any Super Bowls, so I've got to hang on to my victory so Kirby gets the first seat he's sitting next to me and we're gonna hang out and we're gonna awesome. we're gonna drink beer and, and talk and then next to Kirby is gonna be Harmon Killebrew love Harmon Killebrew uh he's old school I talk about Harmon in my presentation too and when I think of Harmon's DNA the word respect comes to mind I share a great story in my speech about Harmon calling out a couple uh twin superstars for signing their autographs too fast too sloppy if you look at a Harmon Killebrew signed ball you can google it uh, they're perfect. The name is perfect. It's perfectly centered between the laces. He always gave me something extra career home runs. He was inducted in the hall of fame. He, he took the time to visit with you. Harmon was a clubhouse guy. His contract wasn't measured in home runs and RBI. It was measured in being the guy, uh, who was the voice of reason, the guy who, who held the team together. He wasn't the captain, but but he was the captain in practice. He was the captain on road trips. He, he was the guy making sure guys did the right thing. His job was to make sure that little problems didn't turn into big problems, managing big egos over a 162 game season, just an incredible human being. One of the most decent, remarkable people I've ever had the privilege of meeting. He, he wrote a forward for one of my books. It was such an honor just to, just to know Harmon Killebrew, absolutely an amazing person. Um, and the third seat, uh, Let's give it to Jack Morris. Okay. Uh, Jack, no one ever pitched a better game seven in 91 than Jack did. No. Arguably the greatest pitching performance in baseball history. He's a Minnesota boy. He's one of us. Um, Jack wrote a forward for a book, book I wrote called the, the code about the unwritten rules in baseball. It's a great, great book on the cover is, uh, Nolan Ryan giving Robin Ventura the business, getting him in the headlock and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, with the greatest line that, that Jack, gave to me uh, when I had interviewed him for that book, I, I had asked him, I said, Jack, what were you thinking about when you w- walked out to the mound, 10th inning, game seven, World Series, home crowd, and he said, I was thinking about Fran Tarkenton. I was thinking about wow. the Vikings. Thinking about, about how those guys never were able to deliver losing four Super Bowls. I said, I did not want to be remembered like that. So there was no way the Tom Kelly was going to take the ball out of his hands. He said, I'm, I'm finishing this game. And, and he did. And, uh, so Kirby Harmon, Tiger Jack, we're, we're all hanging. We're drinking beers. That's we're, awesome. We're the twin come, come join us. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm taking a flight out from New York. Uh, definitely to join you. That's, uh, <laughs> that's some yeah, trio yeah, right there. It, it is. And, you talked a couple of things there, Kirby Puckett. He always, and you said this in, in some of your speeches, but I remember growing up as a kid watching him, always had a smile on his face when he was playing and always played hard. And that always stood out to me and still to this day when you say Kirby's name, how much he enjoyed the game of baseball and the game of sports. It was, it was certainly an incredible uh, thing. Harmon Killebrew, 
I mean, you said it all right there. Uh, a guy, a leader. That that kind of defined a, a leader. And if baseball had a C on their jerseys, I think he would be the guy that had that C for the Twins when he played. Uh, I mean, Jack Morris. I mean, that was some pitching performance. I mean, you know, I, I'm a Mets fan, so it's been a, a, a couple good years, a couple bad years, but. I tell you this, Jack Morris's gritty performance, he, he defines just toughness and, and winning the right way. So a great trio, and, and I'm definitely joining you guys, without a doubt. You know? <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, another thing you also speak about is um, lemon, lemons into lemonade, which I, I love that phrase. But was there a situation where you were doubted or, or told you can't? And if so, how did you turn that into a positive? Hmm. Well, you know, my big lemonade and the lemon story, I guess, um, what kind of got me in this business. I, uh, I had a, a kind of a crazy story growing up. I grew up in a little town in Southern Minnesota, Fairmont along the Iowa border where when I was a 10 year old, I watched the miracle on ice, you know, Herb Brooks was one of my heroes. And, um, you know, this is basketball country, wrestling country. It's not like Northern Minnesota by Canada where they pull the kids out of the wombs by their skate blades. This is different where I grew up, but I watched the miracle. I begged my mom and dad to let me play hockey. We went to, I got to go to the Herb Brooks hockey camp that year. Wow. Uh, I met Herbie. I was the worst guy there. I won the most improved award for the guy who sucks the most. Okay. And, um, it, it got me into playing hockey and, uh, um, you know, in a small town, I got to start on the varsity as a freshman because we we needed warm bodies. Okay. But I got into hockey, and I, I later attended the University of Minnesota, like my whole family did, and I went, and it was amazing. And I got season tickets, and I wound up taking this class called Introduction to Ice Hockey 101. It was this underwater basket weaving class players taught for their scholarships, and. I became friends with a bunch of the gopher hockey players. I mean, University of Minnesota hockey, it's like, you know, this is, for us, this is a major sport here. It's so, it's like Texas football, Indiana basketball, pick your cliche. I mean, it's so damn cold up here. This is our thing. <laughs> and I became, became friends with a bunch of these players, and they encouraged me to try out for the team, which was like, you know, thrill of a lifetime. They they said, hey, we'll, we'll pass you the puck, go for it. So I, I, I took this leap of faith, so I walked on. I lasted about five minutes. I wound up checking our team captain, trying to impress the. Oh <laughs> no! He was wearing he was wearing a Red Cross jersey, which I later learned um, meant he was injured. I, I didn't I didn't know that heading in, but uh, uh, it was a great. But I, but I wound up becoming. Uh, it, it turned out there was another job opening on the team when the coach cut me. It was the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher. And uh, there were two criteria for the job. You had to be a decent skater and a moron. And I, I wound up sitting uh, on both accounts and wound up becoming a, a, a cheerleader. I made lemonade out of lemons. I got to, I was the only dude in that squad, which was pretty fun. But I got to practice with the team, hang out with the guys, be a part of it. Um, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> so much, so much trouble that as, as a senior, a publisher approached me and said that they wanted to write a book about all the trouble I'd gotten into. Uh, apparently, it's not appropriate to throw craft cheese singles at the Wisconsin band. <laughs> uh, so I wound up, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, who's going to want to read this book? But I, I kind of, it kind of spawned the idea: what if I wrote a book about the history of Gopher hockey? So I begged my mom and dad to let me use my graduate school money. Um, they worked very hard at a family furniture store. So I go to grad school. My two big brothers had gone on to get their Ivy league MBAs, but I said, you know, I want to work in sports. That was my passion was to just work in sports and be around these athletes. So I said, I wanted to use my money to write this book about gopher hockey. And I remember my dad, you know, 
remember the words failure, disappointment, a lot of four letter words, but he eventually said, fine, go for it. And I, I dove in and started writing this book and I knew nothing about writing books as a senior in college, believe me. But one of the first guys that reached out to me was Herb Brooks, wow. who's actually coaching, coaching the New Jersey Devils at the time in the NHL. And he heard about my book project and he said, hey, I, I want to get together with you. I want to help you because his passion was to grow the game. And we got together and it was amazing. And he explained to me how years before he drove all the way to my hometown through a blizzard to start a youth hockey program because he said it's just that important. If you believe in something, you got to get in your car, you got to help people, you got to do this. So we call all these famous hockey players, guys like Neil Broughton and Lou Nanny. And he said, Hey, let, let's help Ross. He's going to write this book. It's going to be good for hockey. And, and lo and behold, as a senior in college, I wrote my first book. It was called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. It became a cult bestseller. I was off to the races, doing book signings, talking to companies, going on TV. Awesome. And, and, um, that's kind of my lemonade of the lemon story. And I remember my dad calling me after about the third printing. And he said, uh, it was a hard call for him to make, but he said, Hey, I'm proud of you. Everybody thought you were going to fail, but I'm proud of you. And then he, and then he said something, he said, look, I know you want to work in sports. There's no jobs in sports. Okay. You're going to have to reinvent yourself every year. But he said, he said, follow your dream. He said, follow your dream. Otherwise you're going to spend the rest of your damn life working for somebody else who did. And I never forgot that. And, you know, 50 books later, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. But what I learned is it's really not about what happens to you. It's how you choose to react to it that matters. So my biggest failure, uh, getting cut from the gopher hockey team turned out to be my biggest blessing. And today I get to work in sports. So I'm really lucky. And, uh, look, I, 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 I have perspective. I, I, I write books. You save people from, 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 from dying in a fire. So you're the real hero in the world, Chris. Believe me, I'm, I'm just a, a sports guy. I'm more in awe of people like you that put their life in the line to, to, to save people. But, um, I'm lucky that I get to do something where I have fun and get to make a little bit of a difference, but make no mistake. Guys like you make a huge difference. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for for the kind words that that means so much. Um, and I just want to say congratulations to you because you do have a very positive impact on others. Um, guys I've worked with, we've discussed your, your books. Uh, for example, (laughs) oh yeah, it's, we have big hockey fans and, and something that we talk about is, is be the guy who can, the power play with two minutes to go down six on four be the guy who who does the little things and that's what your books come across and that's the impact do you have on so many people uh whether it's through your writing or your speaking or your videos it really resonates and you you stress the positive and to, to that i just want to say congratulations and, and and it's awesome we really enjoy your work mm. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. That's so cool. You talk about a couple of things there. Um, First, your dad saying, follow your dream. And that's those three words are are so powerful. Uh, And it seems like that you you did that. And and Coach Brooks talking about belief. Tell me a little bit about uh, Coach Brooks. He's known as the uncommon man. And what impact did he have on you as a person? Well, he was amazing. Thank, thank you for bringing him up. He's, he's amazing. You know, the, um, I got to know Herbie later, later in life and I wound up writing a lot of hockey books. So we became buddies and years later he asked me to write his biography and, uh, it was an amazing thrill for me to be able to work with him. There were a lot of big time authors from the New York times and ESPN that wanted to write his book. He was a very enigmatic, very mercurial person in life. I mean, he, he was consumed with hockey, had incredible success, pulled off the greatest upset in American sports history, of course, the miracle in 1980, and then had great success as a 
professional coach and um, Olympic coach and collegiate coach, uh, just every step along the way. But, you know, he, he was an amazing guy in later in life. He asked me to write his book and I was almost a year into it. We were, we were about a year into his book and, and I was actually golfing with her up at a charity golf tournament up in uh, Northern Minnesota, raising money for a great cause, the hockey hall of fame. It's a nonprofit. And Herb had to leave early that day. It was August 11, 2003. He had a speaking engagement in Chicago. And I remember we said our goodbyes and I was excited. I was driving home by a trip home back to my house in Minneapolis and the book was almost done. It was exciting. And, uh, as I drove home, I turned on the radio and I heard the news that, that Herb didn't make it. He was killed in a car uh. accident driving home that day. So if you're a hockey fan, that's kind of where you were when Kennedy got shot. You remember that moment. Yeah. And I remember, you know, just pulling over and crying and thinking, you know, man, what, what can I do? So, so I, I, I wound up, uh, you know, connecting with this family and creating the Herb Brooks Foundation. So now I'm the president of the Herb Brooks Foundation. Our mission is to keep his legacy alive, to keep kids playing hockey, to get inner city kids playing, uh, through our rink rats program, kids with special needs, down syndrome, autism, kids, uh, whose parents are overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan, just to help anyone get into sports and to play the game and to get back outside and, to, and to have fun where there's not so many parents screwing things up. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> so many kids quit sports today because the parents are so invested. And I remember one of Herbie's great lines, he said his, his dream team would be a team of orphans with no parents screwing things up. Wow. And uh, so it's cool today to be able to, I donate proceeds from all my books and speeches to the cause and, uh, you know, just be able to talk about him and, and uh, the legacy that he had and, and uh, to get more kids playing the game and whether it's Minnesota or New York or, or kids in California or Australia, we just, that's our mission is to, find the next Gretzky and, and, uh, keep, keep the, keep the mission alive. So I'm very honored to be able to help, help share his story. It's something special when you can keep his legacy alive and all the work that you and your team are doing there at the Herb Brooks Foundation, you should be commended because you're making a game. I, I, Coach Brooks had, had a quote, it's make hockey fun for kids and let them love the game the way we did. And mm -hmm. It's the best of both worlds. You're having fun, you're learning, and you're learning the values of work ethic, preparation, humility. It's it's really uh, something special that you have out there. Now, you guys do a couple of different programs, and you mentioned the Rink Rats program. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's it's an amazing uh, program. We've been doing it for a long time, and we get uh, we got local sponsors um, who. Um, have donate uh, like car dealerships will donate vehicles, and then we actually get policemen and firefighters in the local community. Awesome! Pick up kids to pick them, to, take them to practices. They tie their skates. We get equipment donated in some uh, in some unique areas, uh, socioeconomically challenged areas, and you know the unintended consequences. We you know crime is down in some of those areas because. The police, law enforcement, firefighters have built relationships with, with the communities and the families, and and it's kind of, you know, through hockey, they kind of found this cool thing where they all kind of connect. And, uh, you know, minority kids, uh, Hmong kids, Somali kids, you know, immigrant kids, doesn't matter. Hockey is like that that common threat, you know, in and uh, so it, it's cool that we, we, you know, just give opportunities for kids. We also have a, a dry land training facility up in uh, one of the suburbs here in Minneapolis where, where we have a, what's called the super rink. It's an amazing complex, eight, eight sheets of ice connected 
uh, indoors. Wow. So it's an incredible place for tournaments. If you're a parent to come in there and you can spend the whole weekend there and it's an incredible place. We own one of the rinks there. It's one of our money makers. Uh, you know, it's with girls hockey here, you know, the rinks are, they're, they're booked day and night. As you wow. Can imagine. Yeah. Ice time is such a precious commodity. So, um, we have a dryland training facility. One of Herbie's, you know, Her- Herbie spent a decade in Europe playing on the U.S. national Olympic teams and really learned about the power of doing more with less. You know, Minnesota has more rinks than Europe, but Europe produces, you know, probably five times more talent at the professional level than we do because they do more with less. They, they do dryland training. They're training in soccer fields and tennis courts. And, you know, so it's about, Hey, how do we get kids doing, uh, training, uh, using best practice theories, using, um, other, other things. Cause ice time is very expensive, um, to, to get kids training. So we have a facility where the women's Olympic team trains. So we're excited. There's a, obviously they're all off to Pyeongchang here shortly in yes. South Korea. And, and we, we were excited about that. A lot of Minnesota kids on the team. So a very big personal pride thing for us. Um, and then, you know, we, we've got golf tournaments and stuff that we do where we raise money. We get all the players, they come home, they, they want to be a part of it to raise money for the, for our foundation. And so we're just, we just give, we're all volunteers. None of us make any money. We just, we just give back and, and, uh, we have fun through hockey. So it's just a great organization. And, uh, you know, people can learn more about it at the, at the Herb Brooks Foundation website. And just, you know, if you want to get involved, it's just a great organization. It, it reflects the character of Coach Brooks as well as everyone on that 1980 hockey team. And uh, like I said before, k- kudos to you guys for what you're doing and what you continue to do. It, it sounds a lot of fun to be involved in and also for the impact that you're making on kids. That's going to last so many generations. So it's uh, really great stuff what you're doing out in Minnesota. Yeah, thank you. And I, I should say too, we had a, we had a co- cool thing last year. I got to play in the Miracle and Ice Fantasy Camp up in your neck of the woods in Lake Placid. Oh wow! And if you're looking for a, if you're, any of your listeners are list, looking for a bucket list thing to do, that was amazing. I think okay. 18 of the 20 Miracle and Ice players played, so I got to play in a line with you know Mark Johnson and Neil Bratton, and and uh, you know it was really incredible. So it was five days of intense hockey. You know, all the they give you all the uniforms. Wow. And the, it was incredible. Just, just the access to the players, drinking beer every night, hanging out, having fun. It was, it was amazing. So check that out too. If you're looking for something really cool to do, it's miracle and ice fantasy camp where all the players play and it Lake Placid such a cool place. It just reeks of history. Nothing's changed since 1980. We went down the bobsled. I mean, all oh, that stuff. Oh, wow. really cool. Really that, cool. That's uh, how, how was the bobsled? That's something I always wanted to do when I went, went up there. Oh. It's like a roller coaster and crack. It's amazing how fast that thing goes. Uh, that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it's a great city up there. Like you said, the history, just the rink yeah. itself, um, it's it's a very special place. And I know with the, just the way it is, the Olympics, you know, they want bigger cities. But it would be something special if it could get back there. I, I, I don't know how, but uh, it's a special place. So winding down, Ross, I'd like to use a sports analogy to wind down. So what we're going to use here is we're going to use the hockey uh, analogy of a penalty shootout. And I'm going to put some questions out at you. And the first one is you have a book called uh, Wearing the Sea. And it's one of my favorite books, and it really goes into detail on how you interview different captains throughout history in hockey 
and what made them tick and what made them successful wearing the C. So we all know the success of the Vegas Golden Knights. They're in first place. They're doing well. So now I'm going to put you in charge of the NHL and Spanish team in 2020. And you're in charge. Which captain, active or retired, are you choosing to wear your C for your expansion team? <laughs> what an awesome question. Well, I mean, if I can, I mean, if, if there's no rules, I mean, no I'm rules. going 99. I mean, okay. Gretzky is, uh, Gretzky's my guy. I, I had a full blown stage five man crush on him as a kid. I had posters of him all of my walls. Um, he was amazing. You know, I, I love Wayne. He, he transcended the game. He, he made me want to play. Um, the one of the nicest human beings on the planet. He's written forwards for a couple of my books. He could not be nicer. Um, you know, Wayne talked about the power of the assist, you know, and about helping people and mentoring people and, and, and making his teammates better. Um, just an amazing human being. And, uh, I'm starting with Wayne. He, he was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, a great start right there. I, you talk about the power of the assist. He he was a true teammate, and you could see that yeah. when he was playing through the different writings and and just that he cared about his teammates and he did the little things, just like Harmon Killebrew did, just like all the captains that you you write about in your book. And it's 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 a it's a can't miss book. I mean, I, I couldn't put it down and. And it, it, it oh, cool. really brings out the history of hockey as well as you're getting inside information on what made all these teams uh, successful and a really, really enjoyable book. But I think that's a successful uh, expansion team that you're starting there with 99. <laughs> now you, yeah. you just got to get a goalie and, and you're good to go there. Uh, that's definitely... Uh, I got I to bring in Marty McSorley and Dave Semenko to protect him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're gonna bring back the, the the finals again here. You know, uh, the Kings and Canadians. It was uh, th- that's uh, absolutely. So here here's something. So we're going on here our second penalty shot. Um, any sports event that you've wanted to attend that you haven't been able to? Where is the location? Who is playing? And who are you tailgating with before that event? <laughs> Well, you know, I've been to a million events, and you know the Super Bowls in Minnesota Sunday. Yes, uh, exciting Super Bowl Sunday. Unfortunately, my my Vikings are not playing in it, but uh, you know those are spectacles. But they become so, you know, they're just such an exclusive. You know, it's like Thurston Hole the third walking around. It's all these rich dudes and and fanatics. It's it, it's this crazy hodgepodge. So, you know, you kind of been there, done that. It's it's great, but. Okay. Uh, you know, for me, uh, honestly, a couple sporting events I would love to attend that I've never been to. Number one, the Masters. I mean, just to go to Augusta, that's sacred, hallowed grounds. Uh, you know, just to be, I'd love to, I'd love to play there and then watch it. I want to experience it um, so I can just say, wow, just to have the, the understanding of how did this guy go driver eight iron when it took me driver, 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 <laughs> three wood to get there. <laughs> to see that. Um, so that's one. And then number two, you know, living in Minnesota, we don't really get to experience racing. So to be able to go to the Indy 500 or Daytona, to go in the pits, to like experience that, that would be really cool. Just because 
you know, up here, when they show racing highlights, they show two things. They show the te- checkered flag and who wrecked. So I don't, you know, I'd love to like go with, sure. you know, I'd love to sit there with Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'd love to go uh, with some of these guys who, who've been there, done that, and to get an inside scene. It's, it's exciting to get a look behind the curtain and whatever yes. you're doing, you know, to go to the, to go to the masters, to, to sit there with, uh, you know, some of the the legends, a, a Jack Nicholas, uh, you know, to be able to, to be there with a, a Gary player, or a, a Arnold Palmer, who we lost, you know, just to, to see it through their eyes would, 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 would truly be wonderful. Yeah. That's two great sport of, sporting events. And like you said, what's behind the curtain. It's, it's amazing with golf. And my dad and I were fortunate to get to the U S open uh, when I was out in Beth page out in New York. And, uh, it's special just to walk around and see the interaction of the golf with the caddy which is the different people and uh seeing what, what, what makes, makes them tick is, is special and nascar i'm always amazed of how the behind the scenes of the engineering part of it in the auto body shop yeah. how do they make these guys go so fast and then what's fascinating is the pit crew eight seconds to success right. and what their attention to detail and the, the, the same type of preparation that coach Brooks had with all his teams is required in, in, in NASCAR. Cause if you don't put the love knot on right, the tire falls off and, and that's it. You know, it's uh, it's a tough situation, but in closing Ross, um, what would you like to leave? I got to, I, I got to throw in one thing because okay. you said Beth page. I lived in New York for a couple of years okay. and I got to play, I got to actually play Beth page a couple times. Cause as you know, it's a public course. Yes. And the interesting thing about Beth page is it was a lottery system. So you could never really make a tea time when you wanted to, it, they would tell you, Hey, Tuesday at 9am, you're, we have an opening and, and that, it was, you, kind of, you, you kind of felt like Ferris Bueller. Cause you were going to be playing hooky from work. Oh, that's Africa. awesome. You'd go to Beth page and play. So it was really a unique experience to play Beth page. So I just had to throw that in there. That was a really cool course. Yes, that, that is. I mean, you have to camp out in your car. It's, it's a special course. Like you said, it, it it's, it's, it's a public course and it's so hilly and fun. That must've been a great experience to, to go there and yeah, play. I, uh, I lost a lot of balls. So if you find some Titleist there, <laughs> oh, do they have a, a Vikings logo on them? Uh, you know, and no, sadly not. You, you mentioned Ferris Bueller. I mean, one of the iconic movies. But uh, Cameron always having the Detroit Red Wings jersey going downtown Chicago is always one of my sports uh, moments yeah. in movies because I'm like, you're going to Blackhawks territory with a Red Wings jersey going to a parade. I, I, I always, you know, it's the little things we, we we laugh at, and uh, that that's certainly one of them. But it. it in the future, world, what are your goals with speaking and, and writing? Um, you know, in the future here and, and upcoming. Huh. Well, you know, I'm just I'm kind of just laser focused on doing what I'm doing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm keynoting about 120 conferences a year. I've really kind of embraced the the lifestyle. My my 15 year old just be uh, just hit diamond medallion status on Delta Airlines, which is a first oh, wow. for them. So we we travel all over the world together, and I'm lucky that I get to bring my my wife and kid with me to a lot of these exotic locations. Um, I'm going to be speaking in Antarctica this year. So we're going to do the South pole and wow. uh, we just try and enjoy the, enjoy the ride. I've, I've only got a few years left till she's off to college. So I'm just trying right now to be present and be all in on family experiences and uh, just enjoy that while I can life. As you know, it goes so quick. So um, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be writing any books until Till she's gone, because I just want to spend every moment I can being at the soccer games and the 
theater events and the, the stuff that's so important to her. And, you know, when I'm on the road as much as I am, it's, it's hard. So as, as many cool trips as I can take with, with her and my wife, then, then that's, that's kind of my main goal. So I'm, it's sort of a reflective period. And I think, you know, life's about stages and you go through these stages wherever you're at with, with kids and, and, and your folks. And so for me, that's my stage. So that's, that's kind of what I'm going to focus on. Enjoying the moment and being present. You couldn't have said it better. And uh, what would you like to leave our audience with today? You know, I'm, I'm honored to be, you know, one of your first guests and, and, you you know, for you to reach out and humble me and honor me this way is awesome. I just want to throw it back at you, Chris, and say again, thanks for what you do. I, I'm, you and I are, you know, brothers from another mother. We have a passion for sports and, and, and sharing it and, you know, just you being involved as a, as a person and helping your community and being, uh, you know, working as a firefighter, saving people's lives, putting your life at risk. I mean, people have way more to learn from a guy like you who's selfless and, and, uh, an absolute leader in every sense by leading by example, doing, doing things we should do. So I'm, I just want to thank you for what you do. And I'm incredibly honored to be a guest on your show. And, and I hope I get to meet you down the road and we can uh, have a beer together. Without a doubt. And, um, that, that's something I look forward to. I look forward to that too. And, and thank you for the kind words. It, it, it's humbling. And uh, everything we do, whether it's in the fire service, in sports, it's a team effort. And you really have a very positive impact with everything that you do. And you can hear it in your voice and you can hear it through your writing, how you're so passionate and that you care about others. And, and um, thank you for the kind words and, and thank you for coming on. And we wish you continued success and best of luck with everything here in the future. And we will definitely catch up for that, for that beer and meal soon. Maybe you'll be at a tailgate, maybe a Vikings Giants game. <laughs> That's awesome. It's my treat. It'll, it'll be my honor. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ross. Really enjoyed today's episode with Ross. The behind the scenes stories, they were great insight into leadership and what it means to be a reliable teammate. His champion's code is something we can all learn from being passionate and winning with integrity. Ross and his team at the Herb Brooks Foundation are doing great things, keeping Coach Brooks' legacy and spirit alive through having a positive impact on kids, their families, and the community. And if you're looking for a couple great books to read, I highly recommend going to BernsteinBooks.com. Two of my favorite are Wearing the Sea and America's Coach. If you're looking for a speaker for a conference or just interested in more about finding out what the Champions Code is all about, go to RossBernstein.com or Twitter at RossBernstein. And for more information on the Herb Brooks Foundation and all the good things they are doing, please visit HerbBrooksFoundation.com. Thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. We're excited to have you on this journey. For more information on this podcast and future episodes, visit foundationsofsports.com. And as always, best to you and your families. We will see you next week on the Foundations of Sports podcast. Podcast.